welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. So welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. The fun begins now. Woo! Woo! Okay, Katie, we didn't actually decide on a, uh, a song, but what's the lambing report? That, that 50 lambs in the barn last time I counted. All of them except the last two are tagged and identified and all that. So that's good. Can say two thumbs down. Do not recommend trying to tag lambs while your nose is runny. It was <laughs> gross. Yeah. Um, Messy situation. Yeah, it really was. Other than that, it is snowing today again, Ooh, which is just delightful. a whole lot of fuckery. I'm meeting some friends for lunch. I'm trying to force myself off the farm at least one day a week to go like, you know, I can take my laptop and work remotely from my remote job and so i'm i've realized that i'm starting to get a little weird spending this much time weirder than i was before so i i think some forced social interaction is probably good for me and it's i mean it's nice to see my friends so yeah. is this your first week giving out a try or is this something you're going to try and add to your routine i went out last week and apparently i looked so horrified that the guy at the coffee shop actually asked if it was the first time i'd been out since the pandemic started wow <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. You had a is. certain look. <laughs> it was very people-y out there. Um, there was a table of older women at the coffee shop who were being loud enough that my AirPods kept trying to unmute me on the Zoom call I was on for work because it thought that I was talking. I'm like, no, it's just real people-y out here. Even my AirPods cannot even with other humans now. So anyway, nothing exciting to report, really. How are you doing, Arlene? I'm good. We're firmly in mud season. I'm not saying that it's not going to snow again at some point. I mean, it is April in Canada. I almost said March, but who knows what what month it is. But yeah, it's muddy. It's still too early to really do anything in the fields. So it's in that we're still in the waiting season. Um, and not too many calves being born these days. I think we've got a, a couple in the next week or so, but no big baby booms going on. On the kid front, I have one of my kids is, is on the autism spectrum and is starting a new program this week. It's called PEERS. I'm not even actually sure what the acronym stands for, but it's a social skills program. So I do, as I'm his social skills coach, so good luck to me. So I do training <laughs> one day on Zoom and then he goes and hangs out with some other, another day and they work on things like uh, two-way conversation and electronic communication and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like it's probably skills that we can all use. Maybe it'll help me in my interviewing or being a better listener, that kind of stuff. So yeah, so we'll see how that goes. So it's, I'm excited about it, but then, you know, post pandemic, some of this, the activities that our kids were doing got canceled or dropped, or they kind of outgrew them and we haven't necessarily picked up new ones. So I've kind of gotten used to 
not doing a whole lot after school and they're getting back from school their their school time got pushed back last year so they don't actually get home off the bus until 4 30 which doesn't seem that late but before you know it it's supper time and you know the, the evening goes pretty quick by the time you you know fit in some time to hang out outside and they're post-school snacks and decompress in front of screens time too so yeah it's just adjusting to adding some more things back into the after school schedule yeah i'm trying to get us on a uh, routine especially in the morning for getting ready for school because otherwise we're you know bombing out the door and the girl child i think has some anxiety issues maybe she has some sensory issues for sure and if all of her friends are already in the lunchroom eating breakfast at school she will not go in i mean it's it's noisy and she's not in line like she's used to and you know it's but it ends up being a shit show every time it happens and i was like you know the easiest thing to do here is for us to get to school 10 minutes earlier so you know which making... sounds easy in theory in theory but <laughs> when you're trying to get people to put boots on and get buckles and all that kind of stuff that's and there was those 10 a lot minutes of... can get eaten up pretty fast yeah there was a lot of but I need my excavator sweatshirt. There's something in my boots. My foot is cold. You know, just children. <laughs> just dudes, just get ready to go. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like move along. Move along. I am concerned about your problems, but not very concerned. So get to it. You know, yeah, that's right. It's, it's hard to strike a balance between caring and helicoptering and smoothing everything out for them. So. Yeah, that's true. So shall we move on to our guests today? We've got two of them this week. So Great. today we are talking to Cody and Thomas Nicholson Stratton of Foggy Bottoms Boys in Ferndale, California. So Cody and Thomas, we start each of our interviews with the same question as a way to introduce yourself to our listeners. We always ask, what are you growing? So this can cover crops and families, businesses, social media platforms, all that kind of stuff. So what are you growing? all of it i guess i'll go ahead and jump in first so we're actually at two separate locations right now because we're a multi-species farm and thomas was out doing egg deliveries so we're growing our farm business which is grass-fed beef and lamb pastured poultry mostly eggs organic dairy and you know mostly most importantly we're growing healthy soils and healthy community uh, food systems so that all ties into that and we're also growing a tiny farmer which is our our three-year-old. <laughs> yeah, that's been the biggest challenge of all. I mean, we grow grass all the time to support all of these different enterprises, but holy smokes, get a toddler in the mix. That changes everything. Yeah, and I guess we're also growing social media platforms, Buggy Bottoms Boys, <laughs> and then my TikTok is an Orthodox Farm Daddy, and that's been growing a lot lately. Yeah, we have a an almost four-year-old and a recently five-year-old, so I'm in the same place as you guys and it is a <laughs> lot <laughs> a lot they, they um, have opinions <laughs> oh, they, do. they do and they'll share them at length and so then do either or both of you work off farm as well or from yeah I, I get the opportunity yeah i get the opportunity among all of us we you know we have our my family or cody's family and my in-laws his mother gets to work away from home but now is doing remote work cody's dad works on the farm uh, and cody gets to work with him every day 
grandma has retired from her bank job and great grandpa is still working on the farm. So I'm the lucky one. I get to travel and, and work with Rumiano Cheese Company. I get to do some marketing as well as working with their online and in store. Really enjoying uh, that opportunity to get to work with our processor. That's where all of our milk is sold to off farm is directly to the Rumiano Cheese Company. So I'm, I'm pretty lucky that way. Okay, and yeah, I'm on the farm full time. <laughs> it's gotten confusing now that so many folks are working remotely to say, you know, I have an off-farm job, but it's on the farm. Yeah. But right. not, not on the farm, on the farm. Right. So since most of our audience is parents, I'm going to ask you our most important question first. Did you guys mean to name your business after a town in Paw Patrol? Or was that like no. something you found out <laughs> later? I was watching Paw Patrol with the boy child the other day and caught that and was like... Yeah. I wonder yeah. if that was intentional or isn't that, that fun? Was... No, Foggy Bottoms is, is actually pretty popular. I mean, there's a, a DC Metro station that's the Foggy Bottoms. You know, there's the Soggy Bottoms boys that people always ask me about. And I give them the, you know, oh brother, where art thou line. But no, that was not intentional. So we can just say that that Paw Patrol took it from us because it was so so popular. They probably owe us royalties. I they do. There are yeah, some royalties yeah. earned. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the region of uh, California we're in, this valley is known as the Foggy Bottoms because it's a valley bottom and it's also always, always foggy. And our Jersey herd is registered as Foggy Bottoms jerseys. And the first year Thomas and I moved back, we were attending the fair showing cows and all the other dairymen started referring to us as the Foggy Bottoms boys. So we just ran with it, have stuck with it since then. You know, you're bringing up a point there, Cody. Maybe, maybe we owe other people royalties. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make money. No, no. So how did you guys meet? And are one or both of you from farming backgrounds? Or where did the, where did the agriculture end up coming into, into your lives? Well, luckily, Cody was going to school at Eastern Oregon University with OSU as the program for rangeland and <clears throat> rangeland scientists. And I was in Union, Oregon, my senior year of high school, his freshman year of college there in La Grande, and we met at a Starbucks. That's that's kind of where it all started. Mutual and I friend. stalked him on MySpace. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that was that long ago. And then it transferred into Facebook and his my polo coach and his mom were good friends and they were always trying to get us to date and you know when you're in a rural town it's that like, oh yeah you know another gay person you automatically think we should date that's not the case it turns out they were right but it took us mm -hmm. quite a while to figure that out so yeah we were slow to that role how yeah. frustrating <laughs> did you find it that they were right oh not at all not oh, at all oh, oh i'd say a little bit frustrating no <laughs> no on my, on my end i'm the winner of all of this i'm the lucky one i, I get to engage with exactly what I wanted to do in life and fell in love at the same time. So it was perfect. You guys oh, are too my cute. Fam this is, oh. ugh, <laughs> is it, is it puke worthy? Is it pretty disgusting? I, a little. Yeah. yeah. A little. Oh, that's that's Thomas. He's the sweet one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and to answer the second part of your question, my family has been farming here since the 1860s. So we actually still farm the original homestead out on an island in the middle of the river, out the mouth of the river. That's where our sheep are grazing right now. 
And so we've predominantly been a dairy family all that time. I'm sixth generation. And now we've diversified into a whole bunch of other species as well as agritourism. So was the farmstead in the middle of the river when they started farming it? Or is the river a newer addition? No. So they are uh, Danish immigrants and they moved from a cold, wet island and decided that a cold, wet island was the appropriate place to settle when they came to the new country. So there used to be five dairies on this island and my great, great, great grandfather would ferry his milk cans across in a rowboat at low tide because it'd suck him out to the port. And then on when the tide would come in, he'd get in the rowboat and head back out to the island. So it's supposed it's to be been, a bigger island than I was imagining. Although It's about 500 acres. Okay. Um, is there a bridge now or are you still ferrying sheep across? No, no, there's a bridge now. There's, there's a really small one lane bridge that you can just fit most equipment across. We're pretty limited on what we can take out there. So yeah, right. that's yeah. why the sheep I, hang out there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm laughing about that because we're having some erosion challenges at the bridge. And the other day I was joking that there was a ferry for sale. So I, I might as well buy it just in case Cody wasn't having it. No, no, I'm not looking forward to burying sheep. <laughs> I think it, it really says something, though, that the Foggy Bottoms in Paw Patrol is also an island, but it's inhabited just by Mayor Humdinger. So, yeah, well, and you know, know, if you find yourselves getting too grumpy, you might really want to you know, watch that. <laughs> and I really hold to the fact that 90% of the Paw Patrol issues could be solved if they would just incarcerate him as a public nuisance. But, really but then we wouldn't have all the entertainment so he has such a fabulous dress sense but maybe you really need mm. to just name a ram mayor humdinger and mm, I out there and go for it you know just lean yeah. over the whole thing yep yep great uncle david nicholson referred to us as the humdinger so maybe we're the problem but uh, maybe <laughs> we'll we'll just continue to try to make ourselves better in light of mayor humdinger there you go so how have you decided what enterprises to focus on? And Cody, your your Instagram is cracking me up because your sheep's ears are so... Oh, the We raise katahdins, you know, our, our ears go out. Down, Our ears just yes. go... They're, well, it's ridiculous. Well, they're like little jackrabbits. And we only have two of them. There, there's 120 ewes and there's only two cheviots. And 90% of the sheep issues relate to those two sheep. And they're a recent addition. They're they're pretty they're like little pinballs. They just bounce all over the field, but they are very cute. So I'm always like, well, we got to keep them. But yeah, they're they're crazy. Um, uh, what are the rest uh, of your sheep then? So the majority of our flock are Rommeldales, which are an American breed. They're a fine wool, similar to a Merino, about 20 uh, micron. And then we also raise Horn Dorsets, which we use for sock yarn. So we do both fiber and meat. We sell grass-fed lamb direct to consumer. And then we have our wool spun into yarn and woven into blankets. And Thomas makes a lot of dryer balls out of fleeces too that we sell. And then we do beef cattle. We finish steers. We have a cow-calf herd. That's more my dad's passion is the beef cattle, but Foggy Bombs Boys markets grass-fed beef. And we also have the dairy. And Tom has... 1500 chickens laying eggs right now yeah yeah i'm the chicken guy you know both of my grandparents did dairying on both sides of my mother's and my father's side so i had a generation and a half removed from either side of participation in that world so we did sheep some beef as far as helping others manage them and then chickens so when i moved to california i had 12 a menagerie of laying and non-laying birds that I, I, I brought down on my trailer. 
and I never wanted to stop. So I just figured we could keep growing. He wanted a small egg business is what he told me at first. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. dad's has always sworn that there would never be pigs or poultry. So he's lost out on the poultry aspect. There are now <laughs> lots of chickens and the small egg business is not so small anymore. And we're, we're occasionally angling for that pig situation, but I don't think he's going to cave on that one. So well, we're, we're pretty lucky though. We've, we've developed a great relationship with fellow farmers. And as we're raising Silas, we've convinced one of our other neighbors to practice regenerative agriculture and uh, now we're very deep into it in that business partnership. So he's doing the raising of the chickens and we're doing the processing and distribution of the eggs. And I think that's going to be next for the, the hog operation, too. So I'm, your dad is still winning because they're not on farm, though, Cody. That is true. That is true. There, yeah. There's usually one or two chickens roaming about, but he's, he doesn't oh, have 1,500 chickens on farm right now. Don't forget all of Silas's chickens that are that are coming in April. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, our, our son needed uh, bantam, so we ordered him banty chickens because, of course, he has to have tiny chickens. Well, he's three <laughs> now. He's old enough for his own operation. Well, well he is. He, I mean, the horn dorsets are all his already, so yeah. he has a flock of sheep that he shows. He might as well have a flock of chickens. Uh, is is and he I guess, taller than any of those dorsets? The lambs. He's learning how larger. to brace, though. He's learning how to brace. Yeah, he's got the brace down for showing. He, he's been taken out by a few ewes because he likes to carry the grain and he's adamant that he has to feed his sheep, but doesn't quite understand that they are very large and will run him over. So mm-hmm. he his language gets real colorful at that point, uh, <laughs> which has been a, so, a discussion at preschool. <laughs> so, so in reference to how do we decide, you know, whatever we think is going to make us more busy, I guess. Yeah, well... The, the honest truth is, you know, we're limited on land, but, and where we are in California is very remote. We are five hours north of San Francisco. There's nothing really close to us. It's a beautiful area. It's very touristy, but the roads close frequently in winter. There's three roads into our county. The county we live in is the size of Massachusetts. So it's a large county with very little action. And in the summer, it's great. It's like tons of tourists, but finding a way to maximize what we can do on our land base and actually um, be profitable and sustain the farm for hopefully a seventh generation. So we kind of just assess each enterprise, you know, as to whether or not it's going to be profitable. And that's why we're diversifying into agritourism now offering, as Tom spearheaded the barnyard experience, the people come and they tour the farm and have dinner or brunch here and we cook with them and teach them how to grill steaks and this year we're moving into offering educational opportunities on the farm as well and that's that kind of came from me wanting to make sure that we did the best that we could to connect people with agriculture a lot of my life's work has just been revolving around nonprofits and and volunteerism to connect young people and and folks that have never had the opportunity to engage with agriculture, as we are now less than 1% of the population that's getting their livelihood directly from uh, the production of ag. And so there's a large disconnect that we need to focus on providing an education of what that means and how the food system actually works. Otherwise, narratives that are opposing animal agriculture come from an, an understanding that is unknown and it's the fear factor. So the closer that we can get people to their food and 
giving them the opportunity to engage with it is the the important part for me. And, and it is an, a venture and an adventure to actually engage with folks on the farm so that we help close that gap as best that we can. Well, and I think it's such a good reminder that it feels like as farmers, we feel so us versus them about a yeah. lot of consumers. And I think most of those folks aren't out to get us. They just, they see what they see. And if they're not seeing what we're putting out there, they're seeing what somebody else is putting out there. So, you know, we really exactly. have to start stepping up and putting some content out there that is more realistic and more positive towards animal ag. And I think you guys really need to be looking into some sort of an exercise program for customers, you know, where you could like give them a scoop of grain, let them run, oh, got maybe it. row some sheep across the river. Yeah. This old chopping parties because yeah. our farms are certified organic. So manual removal is kind of the option. So we have, you know, we put it out and we host parties and then you can have burgers afterwards with us, but you also I'm, get to come chop thistles for two yeah. hours. I'm really glad you made mention of the exercise program though. Now I know exactly See, I went to marketing school. That's what I went to school for after Cody and I first met. And Johnson and Wales University has helped me understand how do we pivot this into a positive? Now it's exercise. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start Crop selling fit. it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Crop fit. We're gonna start selling thistling or ho hoeing thistles as an exercise program. Dang, thank you so much. That's a win yeah, right you're there. You're welcome. I feel like you really need to look <laughs> into the the crop tops. Yes. The oh, yeah. crop? The... oh man. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Branded crop tops. So there you gosh, go. Now I now I owe you even 10 times more. See? There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, we used to joke at a farm I worked on that we were gonna start letting people come out and stack bales for exercise. Like 70 bucks an hour to come out and move bales back and forth. Like there you go. That that's would be wonderful. Um, <laughs> so that's a that's a daily need. I feel bad because Arlene's not even going to get a word in. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> lively personalities. Speaking of hay and marketing and that, I bought a t-shirt from you guys. The uh, what, Foggy Bottoms Boys Hay Crew. Is that what it says on the front? Yeah. Yeah, the get fucked. I did not look closely enough at the graphic of the gentleman on the front of that shirt <laughs> before I purchased it. And I was, my Midwestern sensibilities were quite shocked. He's very, he's an excellent advertisement for the quality of exercise that one would get from stacking that much hay. Let's just put it that way. There we go. He, the, the model is a college uh, wrestler. So that was okay. why. <laughs> for our yeah. listeners, he's also shirtless and wearing chaps. But yeah. he does seem to have pants on as well, which I was pleased by because I yes. had a little concerned oh. as to. Oh, no, <laughs> we would never do. We, we are well. scantily clad. If that uh, rings a bell, we're just on the edge of what's going to shock and awe. We're, we're, we, we hold our values very at a very high standard. In, in our... Mostly Thomas intervenes and doesn't <laughs> let me go off the rails. So. It, well, and it seems like it would be itchy to stack hay pantsless. Like I just feel oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah. shirtless, that is a real thing. That that literally came from the activity as it was progressing this summer. Oh wow, this would be a funny shirt. <laughs> well I do wear it a lot, but I try not to wear it where my lovely but conservative boss might see it on a Zoom call because it seems a little Oh very little but you do work in the grocery Makes store, sense. right? Oh yeah. It I does do. go, okay, yeah, I do. good. Yeah. 
Good, good. So that leads us right into Katie's next question that she had for me, talking about your marketing and ideas. So it sounds like a lot of it's coming from both of you. I have to say that one of my favorites is the the videos of sheep reviews, the different breeds of sheep reviews. The, the, that's a, a favorite of mine. But where do all your ideas, both in terms of social media and your marketing, come from? And, and how do you narrow it down to what you're actually going to do because i'm just guessing there are a lot of ideas but okay i'm jumping in before cody starts okay um, go. cody's just talk. giving me that face Let, that i can like i can feel yeah. on my own face when i'm like ideas <laughs> don't say <Yeah. laughs> let me turn on my video i'm i was afraid of losing connection if you're looking at me now in person it's the looking at cody like the really is that what you think you're gonna put on our platform <laughs> yeah. um, you got the, the serious eyes yeah because cody does come up with most of the ideas he he is a social media aficionado meaning he consumes more than a reader's digest in a day about what is going exactly. on in that realm from tiktok to facebook to wu-chan or, or, or whatever he's got so many i can't even keep track i Feel like I need to block his phone from downloading any others but whatever those trends are he seems to pick them up fairly well but he does do a good job of letting me filter some of those out because he'll film some and then he'll say what do you think and I will I will try to do my best again to meet that scantily clad yet not so annoyingly obnoxious I always come from the, the standpoint of education so my goal is is always to how can we do this to educate? And the fun thing is what Cody has going on and and how he selects what what we're actually sharing with folks is it does come from a standpoint that you should walk away with a laugh as well as a little bit of information so that again we kind of close that gap of the understanding between what's real life on a farm and how does your food system work. But Cody, you can describe to me why you have so much fun. Oh, well, I'm, I'm literally on social media just to have fun. So the, I, we started the TikTok and the reason it wasn't a Foggy Bombs Boys TikTok was because I wasn't sure that what I was going to do there was going to be for the Foggy Bottoms brand and, you know, story. <laughs> and it's not always, which is why it's Unorthodox Farm Daddy. Um, and that's, you know, I'm there to have fun, but I think we want our social media, it's not just like, it's the education, it's also representation. It's showing, you know, LGBTQ members of the ag community. It's showing Jews in agriculture. It's showing um, a very honest and like kind of raw representation of what it is to be in ag, to do what we're doing, to be farming. I, you know, we don't want to curate our social media to where it's, you know, that idea that we all have of an influencer where every photo has the same color scheme and it's like, you know, very curated and very professional and you know we've tried to take great photos we try to you know make our video quality the best we can just using an iphone but we're also you know it's honest and it's accurate and it's representing what is happening and it's not always happy it's not always upbeat but usually it is and so we try to make sure that you know when we can be honest and upbeat and really share our personalities that we do and so that's where a lot of that comes from. And also there's a certain amount of shock value that goes into some of the TikToks and some of our posts. And that, you know, part of that is just like me as a person. And part of that is, you know, it causes people to engage and it brings in demographics that maybe we don't as farmers always talk to. So, 
you know, my social media following on, on TikTok is predominantly LGBTQ and um, Jewish. And so we, you know, those are groups that maybe aren't always going to be seeing ag content from advocates. And so that's, you know, a way for us to reach out to them by having a different platform and speaking honestly from who we are as people. Yeah. Yeah. And we started our efforts on social media before we actually started the, the business aspect of, of selling product, <clears throat> literally because of the idea of advocating or what folks call ag-vocating. And that is just where we want to continue to be. That's where we want to rest. Certainly, we'll share about our updating deliveries or, or product offerings and places that you can get the Foggy Bottoms Boys eggs. But how, how we make those decisions is w- what's happening on the daily that we want to share with people. People from all walks of life that we deliver to, even the, the merchandiser here at Wildberries today was talking about engaging with us online for social media content for marketing. And, and that's a great way to utilize um, marketing for, for a business aspect. But again, whatever we do with that, the ideas that come from that is about the educational process. I feel like, Cody, one of my favorite videos of yours was about your son swearing at preschool. Oh, my God. Like it, it speaks so much to where we are with this show that I see so much parenting content that's so like, my children are perfect angels at all times. And like, are you delusional or are you drugging them? Oh, no. Because and like, I don't connect I don't with those people. Talk. There's nothing there for me. You know, no, and that's the thing. I, I feel like I see all these like influencers and everything with their parenthood is like, it's so perfect. Their kid is always clean. Their kid is always well behaved. And I was like, that is, is not my rest. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, my toddler showed up out in the milk barn in a t-shirt, boots and a diaper with a stick in his hand. Like where, where is he supposed to be in dressed in all white and perfectly clean and, you know, presentable all day that's not how this works on our life so I yeah I I'm there I don't relate to those and so I think if we can just share like an honest representation like yeah I had to talk to the teacher yesterday because he was using the words that he heard in the barn in the classroom and that's a problem yeah yeah so how many years have you guys been in business? I realized that I didn't like put any serious business questions in here since I was so distracted with Paw Patrol and. No. You know, oh, we moved back TikTok. to the farm in 2014, I believe, and so that was, and in 2015 is when Foggy Bottoms Boys, I think, really started. But that was a pretty, um, like, it was a soft launch. You know, for several years, it was you know a small flock of sheep. We were raising 20 sheep. We really didn't start the grass-fed beef or lamb until the start of COVID. That was when we really, you know, we planned it. It was just fortuitous. We had butchered a steer. We were going to start direct marketing. We were building out, slowly building out the website. And then all of a sudden we went into lockdown and we were scrambling, trying to find butcher space for more steers and like threw up our website immediately. We already had our yarn line going then. So since then we've just continually grown the sheep flock and in the last years when the whole agritourism aspect has really developed you know we are a family farm so there are four generations on the farm at any time and you know that's it's a big change for the previous generations they you know the farms were personal they were private you weren't inviting people on that was kind of contrary to the advice of all the trade groups of you know keeping people off the farms and 
here we are just kind of throwing that all out the window and, you know, not only sharing it all on social media, but letting people come, you know, multiple times a week and giving them tours and cooking meals with them in the backyard and hosting 24 people for Valentine's Day. So it's, it's ever evolving. I know my husband is fourth generation on our farm. It's my mother-in-law's family farm. And when we started talking about direct marketing and we said we needed, you know, a, a farm name to market under and she, she kind of looked at me and she goes, we're not really farm naming kind of people. And I was like, it's, I'm not talking like it's a plantation or something like we have to have a name to do business under, you know, like yes. it's and yep. the whole concept of like going on Facebook to sell stuff was just mind blowing. So it is just a, such a different approach. It, it, to or, things. or like when people are showing up to pick up meat, even though you might not be doing the transaction, you need to walk up to them and be nice. <laughs> you need to go up to them and talk to them and, you know, welcome them to the farm and ask them how they're doing because I understand like those aren't your social interactions aren't your favorite part, but they're supporting our farm, our business. This is their experience. So you have to like go out of your way now, get off the tractor. So it's just been a, it's a real change in paradigms and thought processes. So can I ask, cause we're all about the super personal questions and feel free not to answer to tell me to mind my own fucking business. How unexpected was it for the other two generations of the family that were still on the farm when you came rolling home from college with a husband and all these crazy ideas about making dance videos to sell meat to people. <laughs> there were some real challenges early on to that. They getting everyone on board. It was like, we, like, you can't post that online. Like if you like, you know, we promote this, you know, other people, you know, and I think a lot of the concerns for our family came from the idea that like, well, you're going to face challenges or people are going to, you know, be cruel to you online or they're going to say something. And it's like, well, that happens in life anyway. So you might as well meet it head on rather than trying to hide from it. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, and part of it was just a change in the paradigm for everyone else that that was going to happen. I think in some ways it was a, we had to slowly work them into where we are now, but they also, you know, in a lot of ways they were, they've been very supportive of it, but it's all, you know, it's changing those paradigms, those thought processes. And I think for me, being from the outside, you know, I, I drove in with my 1992 Ford Explorer and, and I sawed off, broken down, oh, 1982 like Aloha trailer that has turned into a flatbed. And I, when I literally came into the barnyard the first time, it just looked like a show dairy, right? Something out of a, a beautiful picturesque image of what your food and where your food should come from. So for me, it was just about how do we slowly engage both the family as well as the community to talk about how we move forward with the concept of, of being more open and transparent. Everyone that, that I know wants to know where their food comes from and, and those that don't know that they want to know where their food comes from, they, they do. They're just not sure how, exactly how to ask the right questions or, or what that means. And so it was literally just slow, organic growth that's become our motto because as it's the family challenges or the challenges politically or, or otherwise that come with the diversification of our operations, the, the slow part of that is just being patient. And our, our family now understands in a way that 
we're more than just a connection to the LGBTQ community. We're a connection to food systems across the world that people are, are asking for. And so it's they now understand that. And if it takes a little bit of Cody with the shirt shirt off or, or a fun <laughs> t-shirt now and then, that it's well worth the engagement. Plus, my dad now finds it highly entertaining when he's that he's a fire, <laughs> local fire chief and people will come up to him at their fire department meetings and be like, oh, my God, did you see what your son did today? Like, I don't even want to know. Like, I'm, I'm sure whatever it was, it's probably not appropriate for this meeting. So I don't need to know. And Thomas, I feel like that's so interesting, too, because I know, you know, when we have customers out to the farm, like they want it to be a certain amount of rough and tumble you know mm-hmm. so it feels authentic but not too much you know like sure they sure. want there to be straw but not actual manure because that's right too much, you know? right right and it all depends on on who you're talking to i i found that there is a uh, several different sects of, of generation you can call it xyz millennial or otherwise or or, or the boomers that they want to state oh, my family used to, or I went to Aunt Birdie's ranch on the summers and whatever that is, right? Those conversation starters or, or, or places to cross paths and have conversation, we're, we're actually losing those to where mm-hmm. people don't even have those ways to communicate. So it is getting harder and harder to, to have those real conversations about where where do we take our animals to be harvested and, and what does that mean and that's hard for for me when we're dispatching chickens but then get turned into broilers or or not broilers necessarily but spent hens get turned into to stew birds those are those are hard conversations because no one wants to take life but the reality of that is is that life is the most endless energy machine right that that perpetual motion that's what the spirit of life is and we are participating in that and that's what that's what we're here to be stewards of and when you talk about you know the fact that there's one or two percent of us left who are feeding the rest of the world and i mean statistically that means that most people are multiple generations now away from the farm like you said where you know our yeah. our fathers and grandparents even if they weren't farming their their cousin was their aunt or uncle they they spent summer on the farm all those types of things where you know even our kids going to rural schools are the only farmers or there's maybe mm-hmm. you know two two families mm-hmm. i think maybe go to go to our school that have have farm kids and there, there isn't that connection and people, yep. if you don't know a farmer and you, like you said, don't, don't engage with them in any, any other way, then, then you lose those connections and that, that understanding of how this all works. That's right. That's right. Well, and I think from a, from a social perspective, it's so good to, to reach out on multiple levels because I know like finding your social media, you know, for me and seeing someone, someone's. I guess, that I felt like I could connect with on a level besides agriculture that was really nice because, I mean, to just talk to someone who else who raises cows, I mean, we talk about cows and I'm like, cool, we have nothing else to say. (laughs) Oh, great. You know, so just. And I think that gives like a level of not only authenticity, but you being trusted by the people you're talking to if they're coming to you so you know we have many conversations with 
people who might go to our shul and they're, you know, they're not farmers, they're lawyers, they're attorneys, you know, they're doctors, but they might ask a question about agriculture or they'll email us a question because they've seen an article about cows and we become that point of context that's trustworthy to them. And, you know, before, if they didn't know us, then they were just going to take whatever they saw online at face value. They're not going to back it up. They're not going to go to, you know, Google Scholar and do the search to look for peer reviewed articles on it. But we give them someone that's, you know, within their in group that they can talk to and that then they have a better understanding. And it just makes you a little more of a trusted source. Well, yeah. I think, too, so much of what folks see in the news is a very black and white part of a very gray area. And so what they're reading isn't necessarily fake. It's just not all of it. No. And so being it, it able lacks to, context. <laughs> yes, to be able to give the nuance to that conversation about what's actually happening. Yeah. Um, and I have to say your your packaging and your marketing is on point because, you know, I got my got my get bucked t-shirt and it was, you know, in a little leg carton with a little rainbow sticker. And it was just like, I saved it to show my husband when he got home. I was like, look at this package. And, you know, yeah, well, I'm, that's, I'm that's sure all... he was silently impressed. <laughs> that, that's all part of us being like very real and authentic to our values. Mm -hmm. You know, recycling is a huge thing thing in, in my life, reduce, reuse, recycle. Cody still calls me the hippie that, that was, meaning that I'm very much modernized. <laughs> I enjoy my life. so hippie when we started I've, dating. The, the, the idea that the values can still carry through and all that, that I participate in is how, how do we amplify that? That's, that? Those egg cartons are a savior for packaging costs, right? Like I don't have to pay anything for that package. I've already I've already paid for it. But then it's also part of the story. How how do we reduce, reuse, recycle? How do we store more carbon? How do we use less and get more? Yes, very very much part of our value structure. So it makes it easy for us to participate that way. Well, and it's obviously recognizable because I don't remember what any Amazon package I've ever gotten looks like. But you know, right. I got a T-shirt from no. you guys how many months ago, and I'm still like the little egg carton. Ah, I had some other question, but it's gone now. So whatever. So how did your kiddo come into your lives? I know I talked to Cody a little bit about this because I try not to, even I have some limits about how pushy I'll be with questions without warning. So feel free, <laughs> to, feel free to answer that however you guys are comfortable. Well, my, my start to that is, you know, I wasn't quite sure if I wanted a quote unquote sticky in my life, which is for years where I, I placed children. <laughs> they were considered little beings, little humans that were just sticky all the time. I did a lot of babysitting, Sunday school and, and nursery time. And so I was always in the mindset of I'm too selfish to have a, a child. And then when we then when we moved to the farm itself, I realized that we want to continue to provide for children, specifically someone that we could help mold and and become a good human being. And we were able to start that process through the foster care system here in Humboldt County and through the, the state of California programs. And so we, we fostered and are nearly complete with our adoption process. I, I did all the work for that. And then Cody has now really stepped up to the plate to be an on-farm dad when I'm off doing everything I, I have to end up doing. Yeah, Tom, Tom took over the paperwork. I, I always knew I wanted children. That was something that I always knew. And so I just kind of assumed that I could 
you know, get Tom on board eventually. And I also knew, you know, there's so many options for LGBTQ families. And I knew that I wanted to adopt and I wanted to adopt from the foster care system. You know, there's a lot of children that need homes. There's a lot of children in foster care that need a safe space. They need someone to be supportive to them. And so that just seemed like the best opportunity for us. And that we became foster parents. We waited, God, was it eight months, Tom, before we got a single phone call? It seemed so long after yeah. we were approved. And we we actually thought we were going to have a uh, little four, four-year-old girl coming into our life just as like a temporary placement. And the day that we were supposed to start this like slow transition because she'd been put in an emergency placement and stayed there for over a year. The day we were going to start this transition, she got ill. They were going to delay it for several weeks. And that was um, the day that our son was born. And he had siblings that had already been adopted by family friends and they were unable to provide a home for another child. And so they asked if we would step in that way, the kids could all grow up knowing each other. So we went from being fully set up, stocked, ready for this four-year-old girl to a premature little boy in a matter of about an hour. And I will say it was sheer panic. I remember I started calling friends and I was like, I called one friend. I was like, I don't know what to do. And she told me, she goes, calm down. Women have been raising children on the Arctic tundra in tents for millennia. You will be fine. And I was like, okay, you're right. We, we can do this. And the thing that was so amazing was we called like three friends and told them, you know, in our family and told them like, okay, we're going to go pick up this little boy at the hospital. We're going to go meet him. You know, he's has to stay there because he's premature for a couple of days. So we're going to be at the hospital. And it was like immediately the community just turned out. We live in outskirts of a town that has 1200 people in it. And they're like, we didn't have to buy clothes, diapers. Like they showed up with baths for him. We didn't like cook a meal for, I think a month because people just kept bringing us dinner. The the ladies at the, one of the Lutheran churches in town, like put together just this huge basket of creamy clothes and diapers and showed up and dropped it off for us. It was incredible. He also got a registered Jersey and uh, a flock of horn dorsets at that point. Uh, because <laughs> as every baby farmers- should. As every baby should, because local farmers figured he'd be in 4-H one day, so he might as well start now. It was absolutely incredible, just like the way this video turned out. But that was how uh, that was how he came to us. And then it was the long process of the foster care system and moving into the adoption system. And now he's three and we're almost, almost done. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a challenge. <laughs> So do you think it was good or bad that you didn't have however many months to like obsessively read baby parenting books and all that crap before you ended up with a newborn? Oh, there's definitely oh. a deficit there. There was a deficit. I, I mean, yeah. we, were reading, we were reading everything and, and I had a lot of experience. Cody had experience with toddlers, you know, past three, never with infants. So hmm, whether it was a good thing or bad thing, not sure. You can ask Silas later. But what I do know is that those were the times of our life that we were so afraid for not seeing every single breath. (laughs) I mean, it was, I laugh now, but it like literally, one of us was awake nearly 24-7 
just making sure he was alive. No, part of it was, and to be you know completely transparent and, and share with you our story at a deeper level, he had some toxicology reports come back about uh, some drug usage from his his mother that we were concerned about. And so we had to wake him up for for a good solid three months to to feed him, and that was that was very interesting. So I mean, we weren't the the screaming up all night challenges. It was the we were up all night watching him and and waking him up to to give him some nourishment because that's that's what those drugs had, had done to him. And so we were definitely learning a lot along the way to be prepared for those types of situations. Yeah, it probably would have been a little bit better if we <laughs> if we read some more, but we read up fast. We, yeah. we certainly did. <laughs> and we were very we were so lucky with the pediatricians. Uh, the pediatrician at the hospital was just like she gave us her cell phone number so we could text her at home if we had questions, you know, and once he discharged, she was no longer her patient, but she was, because he had been an emergency cesarean, he was gone to the nearest hospital and he didn't go to uh, one of the major hospitals. He went to a smaller one. And so they weren't really used to dealing with children that would be in foster care. And so he was kind of, you know, not only was he already special, he was very special to them just because of the situation. And so they, I mean, those nurses, the doctors, they were like there for us for months following him coming home too. And that was, that was a huge relief because we could text them and ask if there was something we didn't know. And they were, you know, immediately responding with advice. Well, I can, I can verify that even, you know, it took us a number of years to have our first kid. And so I spent a lot of that time, you know, reading about raising kids and that, and then, you know, nine months of pregnancy reading all this shit and the day we brought the girl child home i literally you know walked in the house set her down on the table turned to my husband and said well now what the fuck do we do because like the whole time <laughs> you know i mean when you're inside it's pretty straightforward because you just cart around with you and then you know you're in the hospital and somebody else is in charge and then you bring them home and you know the upside of babies is that they don't know if you have any mm. idea what the hell you're doing, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. they also can't tell you what they need. Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a shocker even under, you know, good circumstances. To... And we had one small benefit. I won't say it was actually huge. Great. So my grandma lives halfway across one field from us and she raised five children. So great grandma, like she came in clutch and she still does so often because she's like, just calm down, you know, hand me the baby and calm down. It was like, okay, like she's, and yep. she's quite an authoritative Dane. So she will tell you how things are going to be. And you just sort of do what grandma says. That's right. <laughs> that's a, that's so a tremendous benefit. Yeah. <laughs> I think so that's where Cody got personality. <laughs> yeah. So now you're actually approaching the age that you were getting prepared for. Do you feel like you're prepared no. for three and four year olds now or now no. he's- Oh no, 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 and I mean, and he's, you know, he's, he's sassy and I have no idea where he would have gotten that from. But, uh, I, I told yeah. my husband, he looks like he'd fit right in with R2. He looks like he'd be <laughs> real well matched. Yeah. <laughs> So mm -hmm. mischievous. And there are moments where just like, how did that come out of your mouth? Did you really just say that? You're three. What I would consider our education is like bumpers for bowling. You know, we, we know where to stay, at least within the lane. But 
everything else is a little bit of skill. So I'm looking forward to number two, aren't you, Cody? No, 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 no. I think we're good with one. <laughs> Say, if you if you end up with a girl next time, what are you going to do about the Foggy Bottoms boys? <laughs> oh, throw a twist. Oh, oh, then, yeah. I, mean, I have never thought about that. No. Uh -oh. Well, I think we're going to have to stop it. We'll have to stop at one because we can't change yeah. the business name now. Uh -huh. that, is the, <laughs> that is the only chuck up. Uh -huh. <laughs> so with all the people in your in the farm life and the family life and the social media and business and all the things that comes with farming how do you keep everything under control how does scheduling look what is how does this actually work on the ground on a day-to-day -day basis that's it's what it pure is chaos it's day-to-day -day. it is yeah. day -to -day. one day at a time that's right that's right. We we have anything from fire department training to the Klamath Bowl sale to the fancy food show in uh, Las Vegas that we put things on the calendar to say, okay, this is how we're going to structure our week, our month, our year around. You know, Cody's already geared up for the black sheep gathering up in Oregon. So we we're doing everything, plantings and everything around those major activities, as I would, you know, assume any family do. But the idea is that every day we wake up with a challenge that was created from the day before. So there's the things that we have to do. There's the things that are going to continue to change and a resilient system where we are a part of and a living system we participate in. But it's just about addressing those things as they come up with those long-term goals in mind of you know, what is it that we're actually trying to accomplish and how can today we address those needs? I think it was, was it last night? No, it was two nights ago that we were going to a, a dance, the Cattleman's Dinner, and uh, there was a dance to it. Uh, all I told Cody was that I need one dance. I know it's not going to start until eight o'clock and that's your bedtime, but <laughs> I need one dance before we leave. And so it's addressing things like that, right? That this is our goal for... The, the, the future, which is big. Our, our goal is to work regeneratively with agriculture and, and many other agriculturalists here on the North Coast of California and beyond to support that living, breathing ecosystem that can address things like climate change by the, the activities that we do on the daily. But the other part of that is, is just making sure that we kind of live a life. And that's, that's our long-term goal is making sure that we can actually live a healthy productive life that Cody doesn't get tired of me every day <laughs> and we've you know in the last year we've implemented family meetings which is probably something we should have done much sooner but every week we sit down with my parents and grandparents and sometimes aunts and uncles join in and you know we discuss what is what is happening what's going on what are our goals you know what needs to be accomplished you know the farm financials and then we you know kind of distribute the workload, make sure everyone's got their task. And then also for us, you know, it's relying on family, particularly great grandma and grandpa, as well as my parents when it comes to, you know, toddler care. You know, right now he's getting out of school at noon. And so great grandpa is picking him up, which will be super exciting for him to, you know, get picked up by great papa today. But that's, you know, we kind of make sure everyone knows what's going on and we are able to set up those timelines for everyone to follow. Yeah, I do have to say that, you know, looking at how much more year round your season is too, I've said some really mean things about you guys in my head about, you know, seeing your <laughs> pictures with the grass 
in January. I live in Northeast Iowa. Like, it's just (laughs) shitty out here. Like, Arlene's Canadian, you know? (laughs) Your frost line is is a whole meter deep. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's fully white out there. The sun is shining, but it's just white. Yeah. We're moving rapidly into mud season. So, uh, yeah. Well, so we should be in mud season, but we're actually in the midst of a pretty significant drought that everyone said had ended and then turns out it was just like a slight respite that we got for a few months and now uh you know we had our first rain event in like a month last night and that and it was a quarter of an inch of rain and normally we're in a part of california that gets 60 inches of rain uh, a year and we're just nowhere near that so it it's been nice from a farming standpoint. I can lamb. I'm lambing on pasture right now. Some ewes we bought, and I don't have a care in the world. Like they're just dropping I don't hate lambs you out at there. All. No, I'm about to start I, lambing next week in you know 30 degrees and shit. Yeah, jugging them, and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But we're just like dropping lambs out on the field, and they're fine. But normally we would, you know, we still are able to pasture lamb in winter, but it's pouring ass rain, and we're you know breeding sheep that are able to deal with being rained on and. Our cows, we don't have a pack barn for our dairy cows. So they're, you know, they are staying out on pasture in the rain and we have to select for that. So this year's winter has been nice and that, you know, farming is, things are happening. It's easy, but our summer is looking quite terrible, not only from just a feed standpoint, because a lot of our land is dry land uh, and we're not going to have the water storage that we need, uh, but also the fire season here in California is probably going to be pretty intense you know yesterday it was 67 which was 60 percent humidity and that's that should not be happening in february and you know they've already had several grass fires just small ones in the county in february you know three years ago we had days where the sun never rose because we had so much smoke that it was like waking up in dawn of the dead you know there was like a, a little red orb that you could sort of see in the sky and the chickens never came out of their coops because it was so smoky and it looked like it was raining, but it was just ash falling. So we're we're preparing for that reality again this year. And it's gonna be more challenging because now we have a toddler that's gonna want to be outside and you can't go outside when it's like that. And we had to change a lot of our farm management. We we don't breed sheep at the same time of year anymore because we discovered when that happened in breeding season that we really had very low fertility rates. So we've had to change how we lamb and how we operate just because of wildfire. That's so So. shocking to me that, you know, it seems like everybody from different areas, whatever weird, stupid, horrible event they get is so horrifying to everybody else. And I'm like, you know, we get tornadoes here and people are horrified by that. Like at least they just like they're they're horrible, don't get me wrong, but like they stop, you know, they go through and then it's done there's none of this like weeks on end of shit catching on fire like yeah no it's that's pretty i mean it's pretty like you know we live in our part of the state that doesn't generally burn we just get a lot of the smoke but now we're so dry that we have to change our grazing plans to around the reality that you know we need areas where we can move sheep in case of a wildfire that they would be able to stay and hopefully be fine if we can't haul 120 ewes out or the beef cattle can't you know you can't load up 60 cow calf pair and move them we need a place that they can be put that's hopefully you know fuel free of fuel load so that way they can ride it out it's a it's a very different change in paradigm for us here but 
I, the idea of a tornado just terrifies me. Getting, I'd rather the ground be shaking than get sucked up in the sky. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm much more acquired to the taste of some things falling off the wall at me versus everything flying off, including myself. <laughs> I think, though, I mean, that pass through in the middle of the river is looking better and better with the wildfires. That's you know, right. That, like that, that thing is solid great. For, yeah. you know, for that yeah. It's a wonderful place. <laughs> so, What kind yeah. of uh, beef cattle are you guys running? We never ask. Um, and, you know, probably oh, no, we have a, somebody's going to want to know. So, Yeah, so we have a, a predominantly Angus-influenced commercial herd, but we're covering them with Angus selected for marbling and ribeye, as well as weaning and birth weight. But we're also maintain a portion of our herd that are Murray Gray. And we've okay. AI'd more. We did a bunch of AI this year with Murray Gray semen as well. My mom fell in love with them when I was like six, and she tracked down semen. And so we've always had a small contingent of Murray. And now that we're doing more direct sales, we get the we get the benefit of seeing how animals cut and what they look like individually. And we're never disappointed with the Murray Grace. The every cut is so well marbled on pasture. So we've started breeding more of them in. Well, I know too, we raise beef Normandies, and it seems like for oh, direct yeah. marketing, having an animal that looks different. You know, mm. just on the hoof really helps mm-hmm. matters, you know, because they yes. they look cool and that really does, you know. And, and it makes it a little more personal, I feel like, for, for the consumer. You know, they're, it's not that they know the animal, but it's, you know, it's not a commodity in their mind. It's something that was unique. Yeah, I know we we talked about we'd seen some wool farms that do like, you know, you can adopt a adopt a lamb or whatever, but we realized pretty fast that that probably wouldn't go over super well if we're going to kill it. You know, yeah. Might, <laughs> you know, really well, you limit our market. Yeah, yeah. So, Thomas, what is it like living and working with someone with such a lively personality? I was trying to come up with a, e- a good way to put e- this. Yeah, so you're talking <laughs> about... I feel like we have lively. pretty similar personalities, Cody, so I feel good about <laughs> oh. it. But... <laughs> well, fun. Yeah, you're talking about the lively outgoing in in the public realm personality what you should be asking cody is the same question because i might not be out in public about it on social media i i kind of the mystique character among our social (laughs) needs we really should be asking how does cody deal with me all of the time i'm the dreamer so that's even harder to deal with it is cody might be the lively fun engaging thought-provoking person that you'd want to sit down and have a cocktail with i'm the person that says uh what's brass tax here how can we get it done and what's the quickest way <laughs> so the we keep each other in check is the, that's the right story here because one of us is like i'm off like having fun doing tiktoks meanwhile if i'm not paying attention he's you know dreaming about well we could renovate this whole barn into a you know, in a venue, or we could start doing this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 I left you alone for an hour. And now we have a whole new business plan. What's going on over there? Or, you know, he's, he's conned grandpa into something. And now they're ripping out trees and putting in new things. I was like, what, where it happened in the time we weren't paying attention to you two? You should have known better when you brought home a guy with chickens. Oh, Chicken math. Oh, like you start have. out with three chickens and then yeah, and then you've got fifteen hundred of the fucking things. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everywhere, <laughs> like, it is, knew better. I I did. I I think also like my dad knew better when he saw the chickens show up. He was just like, God damn it! 
<laughs> Here we go. Now there's chickens <laughs> everywhere. I feel like even all these animals that are, are hypothetically the little farmers, you know, that that's a way of, of everybody kind of being like, well, they're his. So, <laughs> oh, oh, that is 100% how this horn dorset situation went. He was, he was given these horn dorset ewes. And then I was like, once I got the registration papers, I was like, oh, they've got some like really well known flocks behind them. And they're pretty nice ewes. So then I immediately told him, I was like, well, I have to buy a really good ram for him. So well, I found yeah, one I in mean, Pennsylvania and he's being shipped across country next week. He's just like, wait, what? Uh -huh. <laughs> Building a legacy here. That's yeah, right. That's right. We've well, known really like, make this flock. And <laughs> the, the reality of the lively personality, I think it's, it's really fun actually to engage with my partner in business, my husband and best friend, because we, we literally know when to give each other time and space and sometimes we're forced to give each other space so that it causes that longing so it's a it's a fun balance it really is especially when <laughs> people recognize him when he's out and about and i'm the one that's out and about 90 percent of the time so i get to kind of go incognito you guys are disgustingly cute <laughs> I'm, I'm done i'm done um <laughs> i had I had some other question that I have now totally forgotten too. So. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to jump no, over I, the, oh, sorry, Katie. I was just going to say, totally jump over the next for pigs. So I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, if they're going to be his. Yeah. I mean, he could have them, right? And he could get Hereford pigs. Those are really cool. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, if they're for your kid, nobody can okay. say no to something that's for a child. What kind of monster <laughs> would say no to that? My dad. <laughs> when it comes to Fair pigs, enough. he would say no. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead down to our county fair question. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you know we asked this one to each of our guests. So Cody, I'll ask you first, if you could dominate a category at the county fair, what would it be? Okay. Real or made up? So I will say that I have dominated the adult round robin at our county fair, which is not super serious because, you know, you show it's a fundraiser for the youth. Kids buy, pay for you to get in and either you do it or you have to buy your way out of it. There's usually a large amount of alcohol that goes into the adults before they start showing pigs on sheep and beef and dairy cattle. So it's more fun, but I did dominate that. And I will say that I did a great job showing that pig and I am not a pig show person so that was cool i did also you know we show sheep but i usually hold my own in the yeast bread division at our county fair because i bake a lot of challah and i can like really put together some yeasty breads and dominate that part of the baked goods section nice you got lots of categories what about you thomas yeah so i i'm i'm the community organizer of us competition is important to me but you know, I've worked with the fairgrounds for several years as the 4-H ad advisor or, or community organizer in two counties. And when I moved here and then I went to work part-time when we had our, when our son was born for the fairgrounds. So I participate in all the categories by making sure that people participate. So if there was any category, it would probably be the leadership category. It'd probably be the leadership category. So your your 4-H ambassador, your regional officers for FFA. Right. Or we could give you some kind of a volunteering award or something. There you Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Volunteer. Volunteer of the year. 
I'll go for that. Well, one. I mean, he did. We have a very nice memorial garden at our fair. That's like a memorial to parts of the ag community that are no longer there and the people that have been involved. And he did actually facilitate it being built and somehow got the county to, when they dismantled the bridge, move it to the fairgrounds. So, I mean, he is quite a good organizer when it comes yeah. to uh, <laughs> setting up things and conning the community into doing yes. stuff. Yes, yes. Very persuasive, clearly. Yes, yeah. yes. All right, we'll move into our cussing and discussing section next. So welcome to the segment. We've recently registered for an online platform called SpeakPipe, where you can leave your cussing and discussing entries for us, and then we can play them on the show. So go to www.speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and leave us a voice memo, or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com and we can read it out for you. Katie, what are you cussing and discussing this week? Two things, they're both pretty quick. One, the boy child has lost his snow pants. You cannot buy snow pants this late in the winter. Nope, so, you can't. sorry, kid. Guess you're wearing the pink ones that are left over from last year. Whatever. Second thing, most of our house is hardwood floors. You know, we have a, a big dog and five cats and two kids and two adults. And we have an area rug in the living room. And, you know, I vacuum. We have a robot vacuum. I thought it was pretty clean. And then somebody sent me one of those little fur rake carpet rake things that has like the little metal coils and you just. It's like a tiny curry comb, sort of. That is the most goddamn revolting thing. I'm probably going to have to throw the rug away. I did, like, I literally just vacuumed. I combed maybe a two foot by two foot section of a, a low pile rug. It's just a, you know, a flat rug. And got about a dryer ball's worth of dog hair out of it. So... I, now your I your just, illusion of cleanliness has been destroyed. Yeah, I was feeling really good about myself, and now I'm not. So how about you, Arlene? What have you got today? So this is not going to be timely by the time it comes out, but this is my cousin and discussing for this week. So we went to Toronto for the second time. We were supposed to be going to see Casey Musgraves in concert. It got canceled once because Ontario was in lockdown, which was fine. The concert was rescheduled. We booked accommodations for a second time. This is my daughter's 16th birthday present. So we went with my sisters and my niece and a friend. And we got a cancellation notice that the concert was canceled three hours before showtime. So we were dressed. We had our custom made t-shirts. The girl, the young girls had their glitter on their faces. Everyone was looking fantastic. And then we were just in Toronto with no concert to attend. So sorry, Casey Musgraves, I'm cussing you this week because it was apparently according, according to the website, it was about weather, but it wasn't snowing where we were. I don't know where she was the night before, but she needed a few more days of travel time clearly because she didn't make it to Toronto. But the good news was my sister found a karaoke bar like one of the kinds that has like separate rooms and they let minors in for until eight o'clock. So we hustled down the street and went to a karaoke bar and sang ourselves hoarse. And then we found other stuff to do in Toronto, but it wasn't the weekend that we planned. So I felt really Ooh, bad when I saw Casey. your picture because your t-shirts were super cute and they were you guys super had, all your, cute. had all your glitter on and <laughs> yeah. no concert. What a bummer. Cody, what are you cussing and discussing this week? Oh, I think we would be cussing and discussing barn talk, which is everyone has referred to the cussing that goes on in the barn that our small human likes to now use very correctly in times when he should not. And so that leads to lots of discussing with him right now. So that would be where I'm at at this moment. 
Thomas, yeah. separate to cussing and discussing? Yeah, all, always separate. The the big thing for me is patience. I need to I need to learn more patience. <laughs> I I have some big dreams and there's some very small roadblocks. So I'll just say I'm I'm cussing patience right now. Is that roadblock like three years old and probably what three nope. feet tall or nope. no? No, okay. he, he is the joy of my life. He is a joy of <laughs> I didn't say he wasn't. Oh, <laughs> get me in trouble. He, even when he does get me in trouble, he's still, I, I bear it and grin. <laughs> no, these are, these are old people. These are old people. And of which I remind myself, I will be one day, but yeah, I need to learn patience. I need to learn patience. So Thomas, I totally not on our script, but now that you've been in town for what, seven or eight years, do you mm-hmm, still get mm-hmm. people saying, oh, you're not from here, and then kind of giving you that look? I assume oh, that's a thing in California, too, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm definitely not from here. I will never be from here. That's You're okay. not a native until you've been there for three generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, we made a joke to someone when my husband and I got engaged that I was a mail-order bride, and people thought he was serious. Like, ah! oh, your, your English is really good. I'm like, I'm from two hours away, you guys. Oh, <laughs> my Come God. on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So thank you everyone for joining us here on Barnyard Language. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language. And on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you want to connect with other farm families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. Before I completely sign off, Cody and Thomas, I totally for- people find yeah, you. That's okay. I got like I'm halfway in, in and realized I hadn't thanked them too. Thrown so. it out. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. And where can people find you on all the socials? On Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at foggybottomsboys.com. Bottoms and boys are both plural, so it's the S. And then our, our website is foggybottomsboys.com. And on TikTok, I'm unorthodox. Sorry, I am unorthodox farm daddy. So you can follow along with all the shenanigans there. The partially dressed ones included. The partially dressed ones included. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. We really Thank you guys. Yeah. Very really excited to talk to you. On. Patreon is a service where you can commit to making a small monthly donation, which goes towards the production costs of making this show. We reward you, reward you with extra content, early access, and more. Go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyard language to support us. We're always in search for future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, please get in touch. There we are.